Hello and welcome to Resident Advisors Exchange, our series of conversations with the artists, labels, and promoters shaping the electronic music landscape. My name is Elisa Stolman, and this week's exchange is with Vera and Alexandra, who run the label Meliflow. They announced its inaugural release from Berlin-based producer Space Travel in 2016, after years of planning the imprint and working together on parties. Since then, they've released records from established talents such as Bin and fresh faces like Zap and Andrea. While Vera's career as a DJ began in Germany's Southwest with residencies at clubs like Robert Johnson, Alexandra hails from Romania, where she worked for years with the crew behind the annual seaside festival Sunwaves before building her own successful DJ career. When they drop by RA's Berlin office a few weeks back, they unpack the science behind what makes Meliflow one of contemporary dance music's most exciting sources. You can find our full archive of exchanges at residentadvisor.net and follow us on SoundCloud at RA-Exchange. The exchange with Meliflow is up next. I'd like to start the exchange, this joint exchange with you, Vera, um, and I'd like to know a little bit about your background. I know you come from the Heidelberg, Frankfurt general area, and if you could just tell me about uh, how you got into clubbing in in Heidelberg or in Mannheim. Mm-hmm, or- mm-hmm. In Heidelberg, well, I was still living in Heidelberg when I started going out first to techno party. I don't know, it was just like something that was happening at that time. I, the first time I went to a techno party was in the beginning of 93. And some friends told me they were always going to this club in Frankfurt and it's open until, I don't know, like uh, from Saturday to Sunday afternoon or they go there like Saturday morning, like late. And I was like, what? Oh, wow, it sounds exciting, you know. And um, I don't know, like then eventually I joined them when I was 18 and was allowed actually to go to the clubs. (laughs) Was this Omen? Uh, no, that was a Dorian Gray in Frankfurt ah. in the airport, yes. After that, I would always go to Omen because this was like more the club. But we would also go to the Frankfurt uh, airport, so Dorian Gray. But my first party was there, Dorian Gray, the, that I went. What, who was playing the first night you went to Dorian uh, It was Gray. Cosmic Baby Life. It was a big trance phase there. And I, and I believe it was DJ Duck, D-A-G, DJ Duck. He was called like a German guy. And did you did those two clubs have an impact? You think on how you listen to dance music or how you collect it? Um, well, probably everything at the beginning had, had some sort of impact. I mean, it was like just you know, I was so fascinated by this music. You know, like, like just I danced like 
the whole night through and like it uh, was so fascinating you know they didn't like have vocals or anything like that it was pushing on you know like some text or whatever you were just like so free and um, yes it had definitely an influence because what those were the places that I would always go to you know and then also in, in my hometown in Heidelberg and in Mannheim which is next to Heidelberg there would also be like um, like regular cl clubs where I would regularly go and yeah it's, uh, it had a lot of influence but in this time you know like there was there was so much happening there was all like kind of stuff there was drum and bass coming and was house and was techno and techno trance and uh, ambient and like, I don't know it was a lot of things going on and I was just like a sponge you know like soaking up everything I would go to all kinds of parties and listen to all kinds of electronic music and being curious about it did you how old were you when you left Heidelberg um, well I moved first to Mannheim so it was kind of not still in my home area and um I lived there for three years and then I went to uh, travel for a while in India and then I, I came back and then I went to Ibiza, which was in 1919, no, not true, 2000. I spent the season in 2000 I spent in Ibiza and uh, after that I came back to Mannheim for a little while, for two, three years and then in 2002 or three, I don't remember exactly, I moved to Frankfurt. What took you so long to move to Frankfurt? Why did? Well, it was just around the corner, actually. You know, so we would always go. It took forty-five minutes by car. There was I didn't see a need. I would actually, I actually wanted to always move to Berlin, but then I met my boyfriend. I would, I mean, I was always going out in Frankfurt. I met my boyfriend there, and then eventually I just moved there. You know, I just okay, just couldn't stay in Frankfurt because I had friends there. All she was like an easy thing. You know, like just. My understanding is that uh, Frankfurt was the Berlin before Berlin. So in the 90s, the capital of techno and clubbing in Germany would have been Frankfurt and only later became Berlin. So it's interesting. You could not say that necessarily. In my opinion, like the, Berlin was always there, but the, the scene was very different there. It was like kind of, I have to be careful what I say. <laughs> I don't know. It, 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 they were different from each other, you know. Like the Frankfurt scene was very different from Berlin. In Berlin was, in Frankfurt was, I think, a little bit more. Um, already in the early years, there was a bit more like hype involved around the DJs and stuff. While in Berlin, it was more, let's say, underground, you know. Like, right. I guess that's what I meant. That um, that the most famous DJs and clubs, Sven Veit and Sven Omen. was definitely like yeah, the magnet. He was like the I think probably one of the first ones that got celebrated as a star you know like yeah. that attracted you know this like As audience people like yeah yeah exactly and and i mean also ricardo villalobos who i'm sure will come up again in this conversation <laughs> especially because you already mentioned your your first trip to ibiza in 2000 mm -hmm. and i was wondering if you could tell me about that first um summer in ibiza and what you were doing there what clubs you went to well, it was, um, I didn't know much about Ibiza at that time. It's like also I, I decided to join my boyfriend at that time that I just had met like a few months before. They decided to, they were from Argentina and they decided to spend the season in Ibiza to to work. And uh, I said, well, yeah, why? Well, I just go with them. And I had just started DJing at that time. And um, it, it was just the first year uh, that Cocoon actually was doing a full season in Amnesia. Yeah, like this this kind of music was not so popular in, in Ibiza at that time. It was more about like progressive house and space, you know, and privilege. There's uh, many mission parties and like this kind of uh, DJ Sasha and Digweed and all these kind of DJs. So Cocoon was very new with this techno sound and there was something fresh starting there at that time. 
and uh, it was nice to see and experience it because I went mm-hmm. al- always went to the parties of Sven Fate in, in Frankfurt and then to see it there in Ibiza and yeah, I know. I had a regular job, like uh, I was working from Tuesdays to Sundays and then Monday, Tuesday I was off, which was quite convenient because Monday were the cocoon parties. So I had Tuesdays off, which was cool. And yeah. Were there many German techno fans traveling to Ibiza at that time? Mm. There was a bunch, but not too many, I think. It was more English people, I believe, and Spanish. So how did you first hear about Ibiza as a destination for someone interested in club music? Uh, as I said, you know, it was like, it was not my idea, actually. It was my my uh, ex-boyfriend at that time that they had the idea to just go there for the season and to, to work there. And they knew that there was something going on, but I was like, not with my focus on Ibiza. I was going there and like, it was more like a surprise what's going to go on. I didn't have much idea what the scene is going to be there like. And you said that by the time you went to Ibiza, you had already started DJing. So I was wondering I had if you just could... picked up on DJing. Yeah, it was like really at like the very, very beginning. Did you did that change the way you listened to music? Or do you think you already listened to it a certain way that made you interested in DJing as well? Um, I mean, what definitely had an impact was that I would every Monday listen to Ricardo Villalobos there and, and he, he was resident DJ and he played in the terrace and it was like just, I don't know, like generally the club was not full, you know, the main floor was not full. You still had enough like space to dance there and West Wen was there and he was obviously the ma- like the main DJ in, in, in that time still. And uh, the terrace was just a side room. There was not a lot of people, like maybe 200 people there in, in the terrace. And Ricardo would play there every Monday, you know. And uh, it, that there I got to really listen to him properly. That's that's how I got to know the DJ Ricardo Villa, Villa, You know, like from what what's his style, what's the, the kind of music. And this for me was quite an impact. And this for sure changed. So I'm like this eclectic mix in the way he's... Sven was more like a hypnotizer, let's say, the way he was like building his... Mm-hmm. He sets like from zero, like slowly, 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 slowly going to a peak, like over hours and hours. You know, this is like how I experienced it, which had a strong impact on me. But also that the way Ricardo is playing, it also had definitely like it influenced me, like the music selection for sure. And, and the way he mixes and like the energy he brings with his way of playing somehow. How had you started to DJ before you went to Ibiza? Well, I think probably in my head I was already like DJing before I actually started DJing because, you know, like I had like my friends and like I had some friends that were like DJing like hobby wise and and uh, I was always curious about the records that I liked. I always knew the names of the records that I liked and I liked a lot. So I, you know, like I was really into this and then when music was playing was always like, oh, look, I now I would play this track, for example, you know. I had these ideas, you know, what to play with 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 the music uh, that was playing, and um, and then eventually my friend told me, but why don't you try, you know, like why why don't you? I think you you would be maybe good at DJing. And I was like, no, was was sorry, so late, you know, I'm already like 26, mm-hmm. and like thinking about this, and then and, and, yeah, well, why not? And my friend gave me like a turntable and, and mixer and everything, and I had a few records at home. And I just tried, you know, and it, it, like it, I had success quite quickly. You know, I could figure out how to mix very fast. And of course, I got, you know, like curious about it and wanted to try more and more. And yeah, that's how it started. So how did it develop from there? When did you have your first gig and where and how did you start playing out? 
well, I knew a lot of people, of course, in the scene, in the local scene. And uh, some guy that he was doing parties at some at the bar, the boogie bar it was called. And um, I don't know, like he just said, yeah, but if you want to play there. For, and I played, that was my first gig. I played there in the bar. And I played again in the bar, and then eventually I played in another party of his, like like my proper party. And then um, actually one of the first DJs that got to hear me at that party was DJ Clay, which was like quite a figure here in in in, in the Berlin scene. And um, he invited me to play in Berlin, and like you know, like slowly, slowly I got gigs around, and like I was going to Berlin uh, actually quite often then. It slowly developed, like step by step by step, getting more gigs. Because, I don't know, it seemed like people liked it. <laughs> you told me before we started that you had a residency at a club called HD 800, ah, right? Yes, of course, Can you yes, tell me yeah. about that and how that came about yeah, and is, what that club was like? Um, I I call this club like still, it, it reminds me very, it reminded me very much of... Uh, the Robert Johnson in the early days also like they had very similar booking it was like they were bringing like you know artists from Berlin and Playhouse and like like Swayzak was playing there and they like all kind of cool English acts like Ortegre playing live there and uh, like, like cool stuff the, uh, Michael Meyer used to play there a lot you know like when this whole like Köln, Köln minimal sound came up they came regularly and this club had a really also like definitely a very big influence on me, like the music that I listened to there. Uh, Mufti was resident DJ there. Um, Andy Baumecker, who was now in um, in a Panorama Bar, was since long time. And um, yeah, I like I eventually you know, like I I got to play there and they liked it and uh, I got to play there again and again and again. <laughs> but then uh, but then the club. Uh, soon actually had to close because the venue was uh, shut down unfortunately but it was a super nice place really good sound system how did having a residency there how long had you been DJing and how did that help you form a style or change the way that you DJ it was unfortunately not long enough that I could say it really like uh, like it was a platform for me where I could really develop you know it was like I, I don't know it was maybe like half a year that I got to play there mm. I, to be honest, I don't remember exactly anymore how long it was, but it was, I think, uh, after maybe one or two years DJing. So then did the resident, your residency at Robert Johnson, did that provide a platform for you to develop? Uh, yes, it did. But also there I didn't play like super often. I mean, not that I played like once a month, maybe every other month or mm -hmm. something like that. But this was definitely, yeah, it was, it was, a, it was a super platform. <laughs> because I also played like in like really good popular nights. I had like a regular nights with Magda in like this in 2005 about that. And then um, later I got always like I had regular nights with uh, Ricardo also that I played. And of course this was like the best platform I could have. Yeah, it helped me a lot for sure because to get attention from people, you know, because at that time he was already like attracting a lot of attention. Not as much as now, but like he was the just club getting... or Ricardo? Ricardo. And also the club. It went yeah. hand in hand, yeah. kind of, you know. Yeah. yeah. So that also does bring me to another part of your career, which is it's not just DJing. You've also produced music yourself. Um, when did you start to make music? But I, I really, I, I make music very rarely somehow. Like my main thing is always the DJing. It, now, for example, I haven't been making music since, I don't know, like three four years did why why did you decide to start doing it 
in general. I know because I was curious about it, like how it works, you know, and like just like also trying to make some some tracks and see how. To, yeah. Was it it's easy like to make something that you were satisfied with? Uh, of course not. <laughs> <laughs> Although I have to say, up to, until the day now, you know, it's it, my. I believe my best track. One of my best tracks is my very first track that I ever made. That you ever made? Did it yes. come out? Yes. Yes, Which it came out. It was, yeah. It came out on uh, the Spanish label Cyclical Tracks. It's called uh, In the Nook. I got on like it. Ellen Alien used it for a mix CD, for example, in, like years ago. It was like, in t it came out in 2000, maybe in 2008. One side was Mara Tracks, the other side was uh, my track. It's like very minimalistic. Kind of, yeah. So Mara Tracks was your collaboration with Mayan Mayan, Nadam. Yes. Mm -hmm. Was it helpful for you to work with someone else? Did that did yes. that make for yeah for sure? I yes, I well. like I uh, I'm I'm not a person that sits down and reads manuals or watches YouTube tutorials. I can like learn very quick and adapt when I watch people do mm -hmm. things, you know. So. Um, Marianne was like already quite skilled in like producing, you know, with the computer. At that time, she was still uh, producing digitally, and she showed me like a lot of a lot of stuff that, yeah, that still now serves me. How did that collaboration come about? When did you decide to work together on tracks? I don't. It was very funny because we barely knew each other. You know, like, like I heard the track of hers that I really liked, and what, like I wrote her on, on MySpace. Um, <laughs> <laughs> MySpace times. Um, I wrote her on MySpace, like um, because I was looking for the record and couldn't find it. it. Was like, and she she said, yeah, she has a copy for me or something like that. She had a copy for me. Oh, it was not out yet. I don't remember anymore. And we started talking, and then eventually she said, "Yes, well, I'm going to be in Berlin. Hey, why don't why don't we meet and make music?" Like I asked her, should, should we make some music together? Mm -hmm. <laughs> she said, "Yeah, sure." I, we kind of met, and we you know we barely knew each other. I brought like my little blue Electribe Cork Electribe uh, to her house, and we just like made a little jam together. With like based on some loops that I had in my. Um, in my in my machine uh, and we added some stuff and actually like the first EP that we uh, released on Oslo that mm. the Maratrek the first EP was uh, like from that time like from our first meetings and what what period did you make the record that eventually came out on Perlon uh, or the track I think it was 2012 yeah so the collaboration had already been going for some years. It had been then. going uh, for a while, yes. Like, and she would always visit me in Frankfurt, and I, when I was in Berlin, I would also go to her place, and we would always jam a little bit together. And I would bring a machine, or she would bring something, you know, like. But now you're not. You're mostly interested in DJing at this well, point. It's not that I'm mostly interested only in DJing, but also like when you like tour a lot, it's. it's I mean, if you don't have a routine, like with anyway, like going to the studio like every day, which some people do and they still go gigging, but I never had that. And somehow, I don't know, it, the DJing also takes up a lot of time, you know, like I t usually use a lot of time to prepare my music and then finding music and also I have a private life. <laughs> I have two you. dogs. <laughs> what kind of dogs? Uh, they were actually, there were photos in the, in the RA. <laughs> yeah, article. You said the they're small. That they're like small, Pekingese mixes, oh, okay. like stray dog and Pekingese. <laughs>
Well, I'd like, now that we have a little bit of background on Vera, I'd like to pivot just quickly and do the same for you, Alexandra. We'll, we'll bring your voice in here. Can you tell me about how you, how uh, the first time you went out and how you started clubbing? It was an isolated event, my first party in 2002. Uh, and it was a party with James Abiela in Space Club in Bucharest. And after that, I continued um, watching, let's say, keep an eye on the nightlife from the internet because there was there was a website in Romania that was covering nightlife and my problem was that I didn't had a gang I didn't have friends that were interested to go out so it was for I was in my early 20s and I was not having I was looking for a group of friends to 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 go out and um Like everything really started in 2004 when I got for my birthday, I got a, a present of ticket to this open air party also in Bucharest with Timo Mas, Rares and Demos. And for me, that was like everything changed in that moment. I had so much fun and I, I still remember the set was such a trip through so many styles of music and house and techno and a little bit of electro and it was also it was a long set it was like five hours or something like this i remember all night long i danced so much and from that moment i had only one thing in mind i need to go out <laughs> i need to find i need to find friends i mean I, i i had few friends but they were not so 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 into doing it on a regular base So I continued my activity on this nightlife websites, forums, and on a smaller forum that I was um, like chatting with other passionate people, uh, they decided to make a meeting. So we met and there were only two girls, me and another girl at that meeting. They were mostly boys. And um, actually that girl, it's still one of my best friends up till today. And with her, I start actually the adventure. She was doing a column in a Romanian magazine. She was doing the clubbing column. So she was having like guest list and free entrance. And I start going out with her every Friday and Saturday. We were going in Bucharest in Crystal Club, which was in the first year of existence. And I, I my taste in music was actually was not defined at all. It was, I was just the main reason why I started clubbing was I love to dance. I, we were going from like lately midnight till the end in the morning and we were dancing all night. That was for me, that was the highlight. I was not even like, I was, of course I was paying attention to the music, but for me it was important that I will go and I will dance and dance and dance. <laughs> and yes, exactly. Dance and still up till today, I really think that the engine behind Everything and me here in this point in my life is the fact that I totally love to dance. And that was the most important and driving thing. And in those times, I had the chance to see some names and legends. I've seen Frankie Knuckles. I've seen Danny Rampling. I've seen everything like super broad, broad area of music from Dr. Kucho to Sander Kleinenberg, Stanton Warriors, DJ Sun, John Digwid. I never had the chance to see DJ Sasha. 
Sasha, it was it was huge in Romania in those times, but somehow I never had the chance to see it. And also I have the feeling that I would not like it. Uh, Lee Burridge, I've seen for the first time. Mr. C, I remember there was a party, there was a private party. This this was like beginning of 2000, end of 2004, beginning of 2005. Uh, so somehow a little bit, I start to choose what I like more. And... Um, It was less the progressive part, more the tech house or more electro. There was there was the, also the 2005 were, was a good year or Tivsvarts were super big and they were making a lot of remixes for everything and a lot of DJs, they were playing their remixes and this like Liberage and Mr. C were among those DJs. And uh, I remember we were also like Rarish was doing the, the also the the same it, it it was one of the like the main not hits but something like this and i was more attracted to that part than and also the breakbeat part always the breakbeat mm-hmm. part was always there um then the progressive and this is how this is how it all uh, started with going out you mentioned uh crystal club in bucharest is that still open yes but it changed venue two times it's the this is like the third the third venue in which they 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 moved but uh, they are here for a few years i don't remember exactly but for already four or five years i think they're here in this venue how now. many different uh clubs were there for dance music fans at the time that you started not going so out not so many not so many from what i remember there were some smaller ones Uh, like really, really small, because I remember when I was uh, writing for Clubbing Mag that I, I was going to some breakbeat and drum and bass parties in like smaller, like basement kind of clubs. But big club, it was it was crystal. Before that, Studio Martin also, there was the main club but i don't remember why in that period i think in the period when i started to go out studio martin was closed for a while or was closed for renovation or something like that because i i i i went to studio martin for kind of a reopening almost one year later after i started going out mm. so i think it was crystal club and they were Probably there were some underground parties that I didn't know about, but there were uh, big parties um, with bigger names, uh, mission parties that were, uh, they were doing it in World Trade Center. This is like a big, quite a big venue for events. It's not for events, but it's, yeah, it's a big venue in Bucharest. I only remember about Crystal Club and like much smaller, very small, maybe, The clubs and underground somehow I yeah it, for me it was I was just like starting to swim in those waters so I, I was not no I, I didn't know very well the what was the scene under I feel that now when you ta- when one speaks of clubbing in Romania there is an idea of what style of music you might hear and um the vibe and the sorts of DJs that you might encounter. And I'm wondering if it was already, if that was already a perception 
or if things felt more stylistically open and were there was a different perception of clubbing in Romania? I think it was a different perception of the clubbing in that exactly there was a much bigger vi- variety. Now I think people kind of get used to having some parties every weekend, maybe a few times in a week, and there's... I think the level of the energy now it's a little bit lower and people are maybe a little parting more introspectively somehow mm. and they kind of used to have something every not not being so enthusiastic but those times I remember like everybody was so like into it and everybody was like like enjoying it and like hands up in the air and mm. shouting and There was like, I don't know, like now there's a lot like there's this backstage who's always full of friends. And probably I had the perception of being in the public, in the crowd in that times. And it was exhilarating sometimes. It was like energy was so, so much. And I met so many people. So most of the, the, the friends that I have today that are involved in the scene one way or another, I met them all on the dance floor. Everybody mm-hmm. was on the dance floor and everybody was like, parting kids kids parting so so i think i think there was more enthusiasm and more joy and a little bit more um appreciation and now today people are get a little bit like they they got used to it a little bit so it's not the same it's not so raw it's it was such a raw such a uh, how to say authentic such a strong mm. strong feeling and also Not, I mean, in, people were enjoying every clubbing opportunity much more somehow, appreciating it more, I think. And uh, also probably not putting so much emphasis on the style, but just appreciating the opportunity of having an international DJ coming and playing. Mm. I think also, especially for international clubbers who might consider going to somewhere in Romania to club, that there's an expectation of a certain style of music that you'll hear or an association of a style with uh, Romanian club culture. And I'll just name the word. It's minimal of some kind, whether techno house or tech house, whatever you like. And um, there, there is a an association of a distinct take on that style as well for Romanians. And I'm wondering if you noticed that happen in, in Romania. Like, when did that become the... The word. Uh, well, I remember uh, the first minimal. Okay, the minimal sound appeared in Romania somewhere in the dawn of actually in 2005. With there were two Circoloco parties in the first two Circoloco parties in Romania that brought a totally change in sound. That the sound was more the the majority of the dj playing they were coming from progressive house uh, and that was the main the main um, most popular let's say until now uh, until that moment and um, the minimal started with this Circoloco parties, also um, Rado and Pedro that were already Circoloco residents uh, in Ibiza. They also they were bringing uh, this mixture of uh, more minimal with maybe more house. That's where it started. Then the step forward into bringing more minimal and more techno sound uh, was made by Sunrise, 
who in the clubbing uh, who, who totally changed not changed but brought a totally new range of DJs and these were like cocoon DJs mm-hmm. um, in the summer of 2005 they were doing it that they, they took I think they took a huge risk and brought all uh, most of the DJs from the from cocoon uh, roster and um, Richie Hotin, Magda, Steve Bug for the first time in Romania in the summer of 2005. Most of the parties were empty. I mean, most of the parties were, I don't know. <laughs> Richie Hotin in Romania for the first time in August 2005. There, I don't know if there were 100, 200 people, something like this, like like quite a small, maybe I don't remember well because I was so, so uh, also like so exhilarated by, by, by the party and the music and just mm. dancing and not caring about how many people are around me but there was a small crowd small crowd but a crowd that kind of mattered in that moment and from there from there everything also like things start to evolve then it was Luciano and Thomas Melchior then it was Ricardo and from Ricardo of course everything just went cra- I mean went crazy it's just We finally the, the, there was a new sound in 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 Romania It's a different kind of music I mean of course I would not put Ricardo I would totally not put Ricardo in in the minimal sound because his first set in Romania was super techno and there was a lot of techno and house and of course maybe more minimal his some some of his production towards the end of the set but m- most part of the set was filled with so much house and techno and it was It was, wow, it was such a lesson of music, yes. So Sunrise was, is the crew that also um, organizes Sunwaves Festival, yes. which happens twice a year on the seaside in Romania and is also known for booking many of the DJs that you just mentioned. Um, did you work with the Sunrise crew? Uh, yes, I, um, after, after Clubbing Mag, I started to work with Sunrise in 2006, like close to the moment when they had the uh, when they had the event with Ricardo Villalobos first time in Romania that's when I started working with them and I continued for about two years two years and a half almost three years and I was in the team who uh, put up together the Sunways festival I'm, I'm very nostalgic looking back on how how everything started and how how small and from a, a nice idea to just take advantage of this first of May, which is a moment in Romania. It was already kind of on the, on the map of clubbing. First of May, everybody was going to the seaside and partying then, but they were my smaller parties. There was nothing bigger. Yeah, now it's it, it grew up so much. So Sunways so, so much. was a way to bring together a bunch of parties that were happening anyway. I think it was just taken advantage of a really good moment when people want to party and when people are coming to the seaside to party to just go, to to um to bring a tradition to another level from my point of view this is what happened and it was the great collaboration between sunrise and crystal club um uh, and it was also uh, the the first sunrise it was also had two nights with techno and uh, more, more techno and two n- another night uh, nights with still a little bit of the progressive sound i remember i don't remember exactly who were 
all the guests, because they, there were four nights, I think, two of the nights, one was with Marco Carola, and one was with also Circo Loco and RPR. And uh, the other nights, there was a trio, the Sin Masiello and another two guys. I don't remember now that I'm so bad with remembering <laughs> some names. But uh, it was also like uh, bringing also some music for a different type of pu public. And that was probably from the beginning, the idea of Sano is to offer not only one sound, to offer sound for more people, for more... Uh, the tastes in music and that's how it continues until today there are more stages and there are different type of artists and different type of music to um, sad satisfy and to make people from all sorts of areas happy had you already started djing yourself by the time you started working with sunrise and sunwaves no First, it was record buying the records. I was collecting music anyway from online, and I was following music online a lot. And I was already kind of since, even since working in clubbing, Megan. This is like half a year before I was. I remember I was sitting at the office in clubbing, Megan, like listening to the new records that was were out on decks and stuff like this. At one point, I just decided to start buying records because um, after after my working hours at Sunwave's office, <laughs> we were gathering together, and uh, most of the time we were going to somebody's home, and my friends were mo most of them they were DJs at that time, and everybody was like playing one record and one record and one record, and I was thinking, I think I might wanna play a record myself someday and it was just this was i was never thinking yes i want to be a dj no i want to have few records of mine that i want to bring with me and i want to join the this back to back to back to back to back at home on a thursday evening so uh, that's how it all started i started buying records and um, i started to practice while i was uh, still working at Sunrise, but at that time, when I started to practice, um, the office of Sunrise was in the it was in a club, was in session club, um, long lost former club that uh, Sunrise uh, had in 2007-2008 in that period of time. That was a super nice underground club and we had like really nice parties there and it, for me, it's the milestone. That's where I I was going after the office hour. I was just taking my few records, going back in the club, and just practicing. And there, there were all the time, like in Sarah's, there are always like friends of mine coming, going, visiting. And there was Prisla coming and telling me a little bit of an advice. And there were Cesar coming and giving me a little bit of an advice. And, you know, picking a little bit of knowledge from everybody passing by and I kept that's when I started practicing and starting to learn how to how to mix but still not not on a very serious basis it was just for me it was just like a hobby to do after work to just be able to maybe maybe if after next week after we party mm. we gather together again somewhere and I will be able to mm. play that two three four records of mine 
I think that's a common um, way for people to start DJing as well. And I'm interested in the process or the, ex- not, I, I, I can't say a moment, but how that attitude changes and when people start thinking of this less as a hobby and more as an opportunity for a career or for it to take up a significant part of your career. And I'm interested in how both of you have thought about that and and how your idea of where DJing would fit in your professional life, how that changed for both of you. You start, I talked enough. I don't know, like, it was not like somehow like a conscious decision. It was like I I always had a job and the gigs got more and more. And like for a while I would, you know, like during the week work and then on the weekend DJ. I quit my job or I got quit uh, in agreement with the employer (laughs) because I was not happy there. Um, And I had like a year of unemployment where I got paid basically from the state but uh, I kept DJing and it was the time where I like was able to actually focus more on it you know and I already had a lot of gigs and that was you know the time when it actually like, was like I don't know if you call it coincidence or it just happened uh, in a natural way you know like I just stopped working had enough time but also enough money to spend more time uh like t- looking after the music and looking for music and focusing on the DJing. And yeah, and at that time also I got to travel already quite a bit and it got more and more and I didn't have to go back to work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, was there a point where your career as a DJ was underway, but you wanted it to be different like a different kind of career so maybe there are different kinds of clubs that you would play and there were opportunities for you to play in bigger rooms and you chose a different sort of yeah yeah okay (laughs) (laughs) so still not that well phrased but hopefully people yeah i I referred like also uh, back to this out of djing um uh, interview i said something that there was a moment you know when I like got to play more and like I started playing for bigger crowds and in bigger clubs um, and I I decided I didn't want that it's like I I have to um, explain a little bit uh, differently it's not that I don't want to play for big uh, crowds or anything but um, at that point it got it got you know I, I had like gigs in Ibiza at that time for example like in, I played played in Circo Loco and the Monza parties that were quite big at that time and playing in Ibiza is you have this international it's 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 more like a bit more it's more commercial you could say you know like the the, the, the scene there and um, I got into the DC10 booking agency for example for Italy and the clubs they work with they were also kind of like more commercial it was like lots of like one two thousand people clubs and I came from a scene where it was more like 500 people 300 people and you have to automatically play different for like a bigger kind of crowd and depending also on the crowd the kind of people that go there and for a while I was kind of trying to adapt musically on the circumstance because of course you want to serve the people you want to make people happy you want to make people dance and um and uh, I think it kind of didn't work out so well with the music that I used to play before this whole like situation had changed a bit, um, it would not work out so well because people just wouldn't get this kind of music that I wanted to play. And I felt, I started feeling uncomfortable because I like, 
it was I I want to I want to play the music that I feel you know I it's like if I have to play something that I don't feel it's it's like it's kind of I don't I cannot do it somehow I don't want to do it you know it's like it's taking the passion away it's taking the joy away from me if I have to just be like some kind of jukebox or like and like some kind of entertainer and just play something for the other people it's like ideally I play something that I like and that I enjoy and and this joy spreads to the audience you know and yeah so at that point in my career I realized no this I don't I don't want this I don't want to adapt so much and like playing functional music and just you know I I want to express something differently and, and yeah and then I um, decided for myself that I rather maybe play smaller gigs it's you know it's I just started playing again more what I liked and it was a natural development in some sort of direction but in the end it was the right thing because I think only if you stay true to yourself and really um, express something that you that 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 is you it it will also pay off eventually you know like it's maybe a slower path you know like the maybe the progress like in your career would be like slower and smaller steps but um, still it's it paid off somehow you know it's and how about for you how Alexandra how did it change um, in your mind from a hobby to something that you might make a significant amount of your income from I would go back to one question I mean uh, the way yes. that you put the questions a little when where, before you started playing when when it changed from yeah not not a hobby but uh, Uh, yeah to, to be when it when it changed when it became maybe my I decided that it should be something that I won't I'm gonna follow and um, I I had a few gigs in the beginning this was like around two two years after I I started practicing some somewhere bit around 2009 I started to have very few small gigs and um, in that year okay Sunways was still like Sunways I think it was the fifth edition so Sunways was it was the first year I did not work for the festival and I was just like having crazy fun dancing and enjoying the festival with no responsibility and uh, in those times the night times were scheduled and the day times were not so we were actually just kind of gathering there was a gathering of, of of DJs from the DJs that played one night before or something it was nothing scheduled for the daytime mm-hmm. and I was there having fun and following up a joke I end up playing <laughs> uh, and for me that was the moment that changed everything because it was uh, the, the little gigs I had before okay the first gig I ever had it was a good party but I was so paralyzed by nerve I was so nervous I was like I could not for me it was all about like I need to be able to mix correctly and okay play the tracks that I love but I have to mix correctly <laughs> and that was the first gig so I could not enjoy the actually exchange of energy but in Sunwaves also because it was everything happened like this like unprepared not, nothing like I I randomly happened to have my record bag still in the trunk of my my boyfriend's car from one week before because I had a I had a gig one week before in Bucharest and we just like kind of left the the, the bag there instead of carrying it upstairs and I was just playing I really like it was such a nice vibe and I had like such a nice small like very 
energetic crowd in front of me and I just played the tracks that I love and I could send everything that I want to send through music and it was everything they were like two hours so in two or three hours so intense that I said I don't think I've ever been sure about something in my life that I'm gonna pursue this and although I'm not I I I I'm 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 paralyzed somehow by by the fact that I need to be there on the on in front of people and doing it uh I want to do it because I don't think there was something in my life to move me and to feel that I want to do this. I want to do this forever. I want to, I'm going to, from now on, I'm going to take it seriously. From until now, it was a joke. Not mm. it was a joke. It was a hobby. It was something for fun, but it was never something serious. And that moment I said, okay, I think now, yeah, I think I want to be a DJ. I think I want to do it professionally and serious and I'm going to preoccupy and I'm going to, I'm going to take it super seriously and I'm going to dedicate my life to it, to, to continue searching the music that I love and I'm gonna, this, this is what I want to do. I want to send what I feel from the music. I want to send it to people. And when they send that, the exchange of energy, that's what I always remember. That's always, I, I appreciate about what I'm doing. The exchange of energy is something surreal for me. Like you send something to the people and it comes back. It's the waves. It's something like, it's for me, it's happening like in waves and you, you just get the energy energy back and you you know that some people felt what you felt when you listen to that track this is DJing for me this exchange of energy and this exchange of emotions a lot of emotions and a lot of what I feel well I think we've set a good stage now with both of your backgrounds to talk about how these two stories come together so my question is how did you guys meet We were discussing this before, and we kind of like tried to figure out how. <laughs> I mean, uh, when when it was actually. I, probably we were uh, introduced and we like officially met in Sunrise office. In, sun, in Sunrise office, when I, I came mean, to, Roma to Romania first time to play, and she was like working at the office. And I remember her, like, we started talking. She was like, Alex, ah, and telling me about her guest, li uh, guest list, Discogs list of tracks that she was looking for. I said, oh, wow, this girl like, has a good taste. <laughs> really, I was, like, impressed about her enthusiasm. And But, yeah, Alexander says it was a different moment that we actually met um, first I, time. I remember... But I, that's that's what I'm not sure if if we were introduced then or we might have been introduced, but like super briefly, um, in the in the beginning of 2007, Rarish had his first um, gig in Panorama Bar together with Ricardo, and we were a group of 20 friends. We all went to Berlin, and I remember after that, after the party, she was playing in an after party in somebody's apartment here in Berlin and I remember and also I think uh, Mayan came at yes, one point I and in Mayan's party yeah, exactly. before and we went together then to Panorama uh, yeah, yeah, and then yeah. we uh, we all ended I, so when I also just hadn't met Mayan like about that time and then uh, yeah I remember the big group of Romanians there in the apartment but of course probably <laughs> I know you from the internet or from listening sets of yours so just yeah, because we were working we in Sunrise and we were digging <laughs> as many DJs around this sound so these days in 2018, you both run a record label together and have a party series at Club Divisionaire. Mm -hmm. 
right? So can you tell me about how it, this developed from a uh, casual acquaintance slash friendship into a business partnership? Um, I don't know. I would say like over the years, we would always meet in Ibiza. This was like the main meeting point. That's when we actually because, bonded more. Uh, yeah, I think. yeah. We were always hanging out together in the after hours. Like, we even played together for the first yeah, time. Yeah, we played one time together there in the after party. <laughs> yes, and um, and I don't know. Like we always like enjoyed the music together, dancing together. Like yes, like and we, being all, all, also like super into the music and like thing of that track yes, and that yeah, track discussing and about it and everything. So like we had like this musical connection somehow, you know, and and then Alexander also like when she started playing more and like I also like helped her track to get gigs yes, here in Germany yes, yes, like a yes. few times and stuff. And I don't know, it was like I said, I, we, we spoke about, I think it was in 2011 when we got this idea. Maybe about, a little bit later. Or was it 2013? That party, that party was in 2013. Ah, then I it think. was in 2013, sorry. Which I'm party? Confusing. The, um, it was a party on Hoppetosa downstairs. Mm. My uh, first party in Hoppetosa. The Hoppetosa All Stars. It was like me, it Alexander, was, Bean, yeah. it, was a, it was a return party, I think. No, no it was Hoppetosa All Stars. There's actually okay. still like a set online, but that's why, you know, it was Hoppetosa All Stars. Yes. Yeah. And where we played together. And at that time, like, I had like a bunch of tracks from Bin that I really liked. And uh, Alexandra had like a, a bunch of tracks from Dan Andre. And. Yeah. And I had this idea of like making a label, and Alexander also told me that she wanted to make a label at one point. At one yeah. point, and uh, and somehow, like eventually, I said, to, "Why don't we make the label together?" Yes. And you were the said, you were good the, idea. Yes. yes, exactly. I would. I mean, I'm a lazy ass. I know myself, uh, and I would probably. Um, I I fancied the idea, but. Uh, Okay, before before we talk about it, I was fancying the idea of having a label, but I was not really seeing myself putting myself to work mm. to to actually make it happen. It was like a nice plan that I wanted for my future, but I was not really. And Vera was more decided about it, and actually, she I think she makes things. I mean, it, 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 she she was more. I I don't know. She had a stronger will and not a will, but. Just for me, like you actually action. help it. You, you, you were the the c c catalyst thing to to make it happen for mm -hmm. me. I would have postponed it forever. <laughs> But the thing, yeah, it could have happened for me to, uh, as well if I wouldn't have to, uh, like had a partner to share this with, you know, because otherwise it would have just stayed in my head. But like, it's, I, you know how I am. I some, all of a sudden I have an idea, and then let's do this. Yes. Yes. So how long from when you? first decided to do it to when the first record came out <laughs> yeah it took quite a while it took quite a while <laughs> uh, okay we, we gathered music and we gathered music but it took really long like actually the design part that was the longest thing almost like, one year i think yeah it took us because really the, long. from the moment we came up with the name uh and we started actually the first part we said okay we have a name until we managed to start the label let's start the parties And I think the first parties were under the name Meliflow. They were in 2014. Yes, but the first record came out in 2016. Yes. So it took like it took two and a half, almost three years until we actually like got everything sorted. Also, like it was a bit complicated. For example, the paperwork because Alexander living in Romania and then doing a company in Germany. I mean. 
yeah, we, we do it in a proper way, you know, like we do it officially, like some, some people that just start the label and produce records. and But we wanted to have everything like sorted, you know, like from the administration part as well. Uh, and yeah, the design, and, like, and the, the design, design coming up with an idea, with the concept, it took us like long, like to, you know, like, to get, yeah, to find the right designer also to work with. And this, this was the t part that took longer the music we had like gathered yes. <laughs> <laughs> the music keeps the music was the smallest problem <laughs> yes exactly the music was the least of the problem um was that was the fact that you had so much uh music for unreleased music from friends and so on was that uh the reason that you wanted to start a label originally or why why did you want to do that Why do we? Why do you start late? Because you think you have something to say, you know, somehow like musically, like you think you might have something nice to offer. That's, I mean, for me, it was uh, the 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 extension of what I really love to do to select what I was my 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 the thing that I love the most is to select music, and I think I could extend this to uh, to take it to another level. I'm not making music. Uh, yet. I yet. yet yet I'm not making <laughs> music yet. I start to be a little bit curious and get very little bit into it, like recently. But still, I'm 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 a DJ. And I will be always a DJ first of all. And um, I was thinking that I I don't see myself making music, but there are so many other people that are making so good music. Why not bring make something select music that was not released from all these young talents that are or new talents or even old artists that I know that make nice music. I don't care. It's just I fit myself much better in the role of being a curator. And this is how I um I see it, the label. Mm. I keep keep the selection going. <laughs> so when you say that you felt that you had something to say with the label, did you know what that statement would be? Like, was there a concept there was, for the I style? Know, there was never really a concept, which is like, which I think which is like... Just the music that we love. Yeah, just the music that we like. And we like all, like all kinds of different styles, even though like some, you know, like was always described as minimal. Yeah, Which I exactly. find weird because yeah. I don't consider it like only minimal, but I don't know. Yeah, I think we're I, I think we're bringing or we try to bring quite eclectic music. Okay, it's shades of house and techno and electro and, and a little and bit, bit of, of minimal. There is a little bit house, of yeah. everything, a little bit of tech house, but I would not call our label minimal. I, we 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 have very different. I think we have quite different releases style wise before we wrap up tell me a little more about Meliflow and what you guys have done so far with the party and the label and also how you work together like what are your what is your working relationship well um working relationship we talk about it almost every day <laughs> um we have little work meetings uh almost every week um it's very like we i think we're, like we're taking all the important decisions together, together especially the creative ones yeah yeah and then we have like we try to spread some tasks like sometimes more taking care of social media i'm more like for example in the event organization i'm maybe more like with the communication and stuff but we're we're consulting and we're yes. we're taking Decisions, decisions together, together. Yes. every like yeah everything that's important yes. we we take it together 
And this is was how from the beginning and, I yeah, and we discuss stuff, and we also sometimes you know like we have like maybe different opinions, yes. or I'm usually like I'm changing plans a lot, <laughs> or like I always <laughs> first say something, then I have another. You know, Alexander, why don't we do this? And I say no, no, no. Yes, <laughs> yes. So come on, think about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sometimes I'm uh, I'm sticking more to a plan that we have, and I'm 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 more more uh, yeah but the good thing is somehow we manage always like we now now know how to communicate with each other and and um and yeah to find uh, the right the right decision somewhere even if it's in somewhere in the middle <laughs> um with the parties um it started from a very little party in Hopatose on a hot day of uh, May which was very hot in Hopatos it was hot, but very hot, although there were not so many people. And now we we grew up to have regular dates, uh, plus uh, t- twice a year we have um, um, a big event that we make in collaboration with the Closer Club in Kiev, which is a, a 30-something hours party, so it starts from sa- sun- Saturday till uh, Monday. For these parties, we also uh, consult and we um, uh, advise with the guys from the, from um, closer. closer, and we are trying all the time to bring all the artists that we like. We 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 wanna have all the DJs that we ever liked, even if it's they are not maybe they never played in Hopetose or in CDV before. Maybe they are part of other let's say scenes or. We are just trying to bring all the people that we love and whose music we're I enjoying. I think, I, I think also uh, one of our focuses was always like offering opportunities to people that are like talented but don't get the attention so much. We are using um, our, you know, how you want to call it, popularity or whatever, our platform to offer a platform also to new artists as well with the label. It was somehow like that, not on purpose, but it turned out like like that we picked up on a few new artists that we like found interesting and also on in in the actual like in the in the events we proposed like a lineup that was maybe like no big names at all but somehow it really worked out because they're really good DJs and we have a feeling that people start started trusting us our taste that they knew even if they will not know maybe the names or the DJs um, that we picked them for a reason and they were curious about them and and that's why they come to our parties because usually like there is a red line in the like in the in the music that's it's like just solid DJs that are playing in our parties usually what about Meliflow and Meliflow times closer parties are unique like uh, unique to your party versus other parties at the same club, Hopitasa or Club Der Visionaire? What do you bring to that venue, I guess? Um, I don't know, maybe like some kind of female touch. I don't know. <laughs> I mean... You're going to uh, drop the F word this late <laughs> into the interview? <laughs> I don't know. Well, what what is like so special about our parties? I don't know if it's like so special about. I, I can say like the the definitely the big party that we do together with Closer is special. It's long. It has like it's cons like a there is a consistency in the music. I have never heard anybody complain about any DJ that has been playing in the party. It was like a big vibe from the beginning till the end, which I find rare mm. to like for a thirty or thirty something hour party. Plus. We introduced uh, 
something that was big in the 90s that uh, is slowly coming back, hopefully, and we helped what, coming what back. It's is the chill-out room. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so with Hoppetosse having those two floors, like we had this idea that, well, yeah, we should, like, it's a long party, you know, we should get people the opportunity to relax a little bit, like hang out, you know, like just lay down, like look at the visuals, like listen to some like ambiental music to calm, you know, like calm down to just, you know, to, to relax. And that's, it, and people really loved it, I think. And now in the in, in February, it was super full, the chill out room all the yeah, time. And so, people, yes. you could tell people really enjoying, like they're drinking a tea. We offered also food, you know, that's what I mean with female touch, you know, women are caretakers somehow, you know, like we take care of the bunch that's around us and I don't know we, we, are we trying. want to have people have to have a good time you know like and, and we are trying and I think we are trying to be okay the best host as we can we we want any of our guests to feel as we wish to feel when we are going mm. to play for somebody and to feel welcome and taken care of and everything to just flow from like the organization wise and just uh, and also to offer this nice crowd i think i think we 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 managed to 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 get together a, a, a crowd that's sending a super nice vibe and it's also like i think especially in the big party in that close closer in Meliflow, um we put the lineup together in a way that is like putting like all this like uh, kind of underground minimal names yeah. <laughs> uh, all together in one party and like a lot of them that already made themselves some a bit more some some are just upcoming some have already established and they're like Nicolas Obin that are also close friends of ours but then also like upcoming names like Quest or like uh, Andrea or like uh, there's like a, you know like a button we put them all together in one pot and it's like this combination is attracting people from all over Europe that are interested in this kind of music and this makes a special vibe because they're all the most of the people that come they're really into this music they're not coming for a hype or whatever they come for the music for the music yes and you all know? the all our guests are people who are deeply passionate and dedicated about music yes. i think this is the 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 the, the concept yes people who all all the artists we we try to bring It's together so pure art, somehow, yes yeah. like t t talents that are known or less known um that are super dedicated and passionate about music yes. and the same with the closer guys you know like we share like like the same ideals i guess somehow you know exactly with the with the the residents or also the organizers of, mm. of closer in in kiev And yeah, this is maybe what's, what's brought us together also. So then what do you have lined up for this year in terms of the parties and in terms of the label? Uh, the parties, we'll see. We have like now in in, in April, we have a party at Hoppetosse. Then uh, we'll probably have like one event per, per um, month in CDV in the summer. Uh, in August going to be the big event again the one was closer and um, f you mean also like, uh, like we have, we are booked like as a Melifon flow night also outside of Berlin we have what playing in Lisbon electronic mm -hmm. what? Lisboa Electronica Lisboa Electronica This is, uh, it's a, a big festival taking place yeah. in uh, Lisbon between In, in they're showcasing all kind of underground labels, labels there, yes yeah. and it's like four, four or five days festival yeah. also like arts 
music arts. It's a it's a big festival. Yeah, we have a Meliflow night in Bucharest in Guesthouse for first time, and we have a Meliflow night now in um, Rome in, in Rome Goa. Goa Club, which is also quite nice. And yeah, and for the label um, now, um, well, we're probably not going to say everything, but mm-hmm. the next release that's coming up is going to be a, a double from Space Travel, mm-hmm. and we just had released like a little special. Um, Uh, special series, series yes. <laughs> we call it season one, episode one, the Melly Flows, mm-hmm. which is like, it's not a sub-label, it's just like a special uh, series like of like a few records that we're going to release from Federico Lichtmeier, um, that has just come out, like just now this week. Um, so we'll continue with for more episodes. Yeah, we're going to have some more episodes and we have like another like three releases, probably four releases this year coming up. And and maybe there's a slight hint. Maybe someday we'll hear an Alexandra record. Well, I am okay. I got curious, but I'm not sure I would like to be honest, honest, honest. I'm not sure I will. I have any call to make music like this kind of music that I would maybe mm. play. I would probably try to experiment. Actually, really, I would like to make hip hop like negatives, but this is like for me, it's just like just an idea like what I would like to do. I would like to do hip hop. I really like down tempo music and <coughs> hip hop. And I also, to be honest, I wish to get, I hopefully to get more gigs. I'm also playing uh, more. I started to play a little bit down tempo and experimental stuff. And I also fancy this a lot. And I would in production, I would try to explore more that area. Of uh, of music first. Okay, cool. Um, I want to say something also yes. about the um, production because of it before it, we left it kind of a little bit open and I feel like it sounded like I was not interested in producing any more music or was like not really never my thing. It's not. It's not like that. I actually. I didn't stop because I didn't like it anymore or anything. There was like some situations in my life that changed, you know, I was putting more focus on the DJing because after all this like uh, feeling that I was getting a bit commercial, I wanted to find myself again and I put more focus on the DJing. I was still making music at that time and also, you know, with Mayan, I had these releases and this record that were, were one side was with Ricardo and the other side was a track of mine. Those were the last releases that I had. Um, after that though, you know, like, there was like some private situations that um, brought my life into movement and change and I moved twice and and somehow after that um, I, I well I stopped a little bit and um, and yeah and then like we started the label and you this is a lot of work also and somehow it I put it aside for a bit and then I kind of it you know like it was you know, still sitting there waiting for me to rediscover it you know but um, I, I I'm also planning to make music again of course it's Actually, yeah, I'm I'm in the process of preparing that. And okay, well, yes. that's an interesting. That, that's perhaps an even bigger open end than the previous. <laughs> but it's an it's an exciting note to to wrap it up. I suppose that there that there's um roads open ahead. So okay, well, thank you very much for for thank joining you. me. Thank you.